Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone. I always love it when the show opens with a giggle. So I'm just going to say, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Vox Vomitus. We have been on a little hiatus for a while, just a little while. Uh, But we are so happy to be back. I am Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as Pretty Ugly and the soon-to-be-released The Japanese Box, which is a collection of short stories and, uh, you know, grief poetry. What everybody wants on their summers. Um, (laughs) It's a thing. It is a thing. With me today, as always, is my co-hostess with the mostest, my box feminist vixen, Allison Martin, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes dibs since September, Move on Melinda, and Climb the Salmon Ladder. Today, after our giant hiatus, we have Tracy Buchanan, also known as Tracy D. Buchanan, here <laughs> celebrating her book birthday with us her book came out yesterday your debut novel correct which is called toward the corner of mercy and peace and i made sure i put it down so i could read it because i kept (laughs) in my brain i kept saying all the words in the wrong places i was like driving to mercy and peace no like um, driving miss daisy no there's a car on the front yeah I can I've already it. decided my next book is going to have a short title. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> Tracy, before we even get into your amazing debut novel, uh, Allison and I over and over again have gone over the fact that my books have ridiculously long titles. I get mad at her because then when I have to tweet it, I'm out of space just typing <laughs> out just the title. Look, my first book has four letters, not four words, four letters. I know, and I'm four like, oh, me, Jennifer. my books have six words, you know, like, <laughs> and so. I won't get them in the right order, so forget it. <laughs> so I loved it when I saw this, when your publicist reached out to us and said, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how she pitched it because I loved it instantly because um, I want you to talk about it. But I just like love that it had such a long title. <laughs> you guys, you're people, you're people. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's my kind of person. So right. Tracy, welcome to Vox Vomitus. Thank you uh, for having me. Apologies in advance. <laughs> <laughs> so Tracy, um, it's amazing that you're here because your book launch was yesterday. Right. So, um, bow down to you. We know book launch day is always like this weird mix of like refreshing Amazon, uh, being really happy, <laughs> crying sometimes, uh, and then being really happy again and then crying again. Uh, so usually there's like a whole box of cupcakes being consumed somewhere in there, either out of celebration or grief or some combination or just, uh-huh. or just, Oh my gosh, cupcakes. I heard you were at some kind of launch yesterday. Were there cupcakes? That's my first question. Or pimento cheese sandwiches, which were in your book? Were pieces of cake. They were not cupcake. But, you know, if you've read the book, you know that Minerva's neighbor, Nella, likes to cook her things. Mm -hmm. And she made her this wild mayonnaise chocolate cake. So that that sounded delicious to (laughs) me. It's so good. You just can't believe how good it is. I um, 
my God. So I know you just mentioned Minerva. So Tracy, before we go off the rails, as we we'll talk about cake. you, uh, <laughs> and we talk about mayonnaise and cake for the rest of the thing, um, <laughs> uh, tell our viewers, our listeners a little bit about you and then a little bit about your debut novel, Towards the Corner of Mercy and Peace. Okay. Well, I've been a writer all my life. I mean, I started in when I was six years old. The first thing I entered my writing into won a contest and I was hooked for life. It's like, you know, bring me, bring me all the accolades and I'm going to write. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. If it was that easy. <laughs> so that launched my career. So I spent most of my career as a journalist and uh, writing fact. And when I had the opportunity to write some, some, uh, well, there's these these tours through our historical cemetery, and they wanted me to write some of the, the people's dialogue. So these people would come to life and be dressed in period clothing, and then they would they would say what I had written for them. So I researched all these people and and had them and kept them in this file back in the back of my computer and. Um, <laughs> One day I was cleaning things up and I thought, you know what? I need to do something with all these characters because they're just so interesting. So many fascinating people were buried here in little old Paducah, Kentucky. Who knew? So um, I, tried. I was saying it wrong in my head the entire time. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was Paducah or Paducah. Paducah. You now know. Okay. Paducah. All right. I was the uh, emphasis on the wrong syllable for me. Well, it can always be corrected. There's there's no mistake we can't come back from. So uh, anyway, I had all these people and I needed somebody to kind of introduce them in the book. And along came Minerva. And she, Mrs. Minerva Place, had such an attitude and had such strong opinions that she just took the book over. <laughs> yeah, she did. That was so. Were you thinking that she was originally going to be kind of like um, the stage manager in our town, like just like somebody yes. who's like, I'm just here to shepherd these stories? Exactly, exactly. But she was bossy, and <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, that was Has opinions on everything and everyone. I ended up having to kill off some ghosts, so that was that was sad. Oh, wow. Hey, oh. that's what you have a sequel for, you know. Backup yeah, emergency ghosts. Just put them over in the side, pull <laughs> them out when needed. Yeah, so I just I cannot think I've I've ever read a book where not just a main character, but even the main character or even a secondary character is a church organist. And for Janet Kulin and Franz Thompson and all the church organists I know, they're going to thank you. Going, I'm the main character because they're not even the main character at church. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry, they're always behind like the charismatic director or you know the really the really flamboyant preacher, but the organists are there, they're not doing their thing. And then it's finally Minerva's like, I'm standing up for all the church organists with my giant <laughs> hands and big butts. <laughs> I might know I a little bit too much about church organists. <laughs> yeah, I think you know a lot about church organists. Yeah. I so I will say like when this was like pitched to me from your uh a publicist Caitlin, who I absolutely adore. It was just like, you know, a, a woman 
who like middle-aged and I'm like, Oh God, I hate that. I hate those words. Cause I saw her. <laughs> age, like being middle-aged. Like, Thank you very much. That's Rude. That's, she's not old or frumpy. Uh, but the fact that like, she like, um, writes the stories of people in her local town cemetery. And then they start appearing to her immediately at that point. I was just like, I don't even care what the rest of this is about. I love it (laughs) so much. I love, I was like historical fiction, which is why I'm doing like a little 50s scarf. Everyone who's watching this, (laughs) who's like, why is Jennifer wearing mint green? Mm." That's why right there. (laughs) I'm doing a 50s thing. Um, Okay, but then you're going to start looking way too much like the librarian. And as I am the daughter of a librarian and the scorn that the organist was heaping on the librarian, I just could not stop laughing so hard. I'm like, I didn't know there was a secret organist librarian rivalry. (laughs) Yeah, there really is. And that that librarian, her greatest crime is that she's petite. Oh, yeah. How dare she? Minerva does not like that. Minerva, (laughs) she does not go for petite people. Well, yeah, and really show me a petite organist because look, we are too small. I couldn't, I couldn't reach half the stops and the pedals. We don't have far the hand span. <laughs> Little people, we can't do any of this. Minerva does. Yeah. Minerva oh yeah. Minerva does. Um. So, so you you created Minerva, like as a I'm gonna I'm gonna fall back on my horror part of my life and say like that's it's your crypt keeper you thought she was the person who was telling other people's stories but then all of a sudden it became her story what was that process like when you were writing when all of a sudden Minerva took over and you were just like oh <clears throat> this is not the book I thought I was writing it no. never is it, it never is it never is is it but um no. she just um the, the name Minerva Place is kind of interesting because it's it's a street in our town. <laughs> I believe it. And uh, I I mean I grew up in this neighborhood and I passed Minerva Place all the time. And one day as I was I was writing, I, I was writing some of these cemetery characters. You know, and I thought wouldn't that be a great name for a character? <laughs> You're like hmm. Oh, no, did she freeze? I think she froze. There you are. There we are. Um, We're all back. She just, I just got tickled with Minerva because I thought she was so, uh, well, she's so prickly, but it's really because of the life she's had to live. And uh, you, you start, you find things out about her as you go along, especially through through some of these dead characters. She she projects herself into them yes. and start learning that um, who she is and what she's had to deal with and why she's the way she is. And you become, I don't know, I feel, I have a real soft spot for her. I just think she's a very um, uh, tender person, a, a very uh, vulnerable person. And I just kind of want to protect her. I want everybody to love her. Well, I I loved her. I loved her. Um, I loved her. And what I really appreciated about your writing and the book is you never gave us an info dump of this is why Minerva is the way she is. Like you're still finding out things as a reader about Minerva on page 190. And then you're like, and you're like, yeah, that, that tracks. Yeah. I, yeah. And it, it was like exciting and fresh every time. And I just, I loved her voice. I loved the, well, I'm not one to judge, but <laughs> judging <laughs> <in tears. laughs> uh, uh, amazing judging. And then her going, but like, 
uh, I promise I'm going to be a better person. That I think might have been rude. Starting yeah. tomorrow. Well, you know, I had my daughter-in-law, after she read it, she actually said, you know, I see a lot of you in Minerva. And I'm thinking, oh, which thing does she which see? Part? <laughs> the, 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 the tenderness. Uh-oh. The, the loving part of Minerva. <laughs> the, um, uh, gosh, she has great qualities. <laughs> she does, but. She's hopefully it wasn't about your hips. She's tall. She's yeah. Tall. Hopefully, Tracy, it wasn't about your hips because there was a lot about her hips. And <laughs> <episode. laughs> I'm not going to stand up and show you. I'm not showing you. <laughs> Is not hips, I don't fit in this chair very comfortably, and oh, I'm just going. <sighs> so, for everybody who's watching and listening to this. Um, this is historical fiction, so it takes place in 1953. 1952. 1952, but I'm bad at math. Don't make me mad. I know. I'm like, 1952-ish. Um, so, and Minerva is, she keeps referring to herself as an old lady, and people are like, oh, she's like a she's grandma. Not she's not that old. She's 52. Yeah, she was born right. exactly in 1900. Right. So, right. Uh, this, like... A lot of that kind of like hurt my soul a little bit. Like I am not 52, but I am closer to 52 than I am not closer to 52. Okay, but I will add, so this is something I've experienced, that there are life dates that are like moments that end up kind of cataloging you in a certain generation or group. And I will say one of them is like when you get married or have kids and that you end up then with people who have kids the same age. And it's almost like you're all the same age, but you're not the same age, but your kids are going through milestones together. So right. I have a friend who's just a couple months younger than me, but her kids are older than me. And so in my head, she's older because she's experiencing different parts of life. <laughs> yeah. She was widowed young. And so it's like it aged her and her parents died. And so that also aged her. So right. it's like she is in her head many ways, a good 20, 30 years older than the character should be, if that makes any sense at all. It does. It does. But Jen's like, it still hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> it hurts my feelings. It's like somebody Man. going through perimenopause. Uh, but Ooh. I get it because my <gasps> mom, I'm so hot. <laughs> it's um, actually hot in here. I don't have the fan on hot. because I don't want it to. It is hot in here. <laughs> we're all like, oh, oh, we're all like, my lashes drinking my drinks. But my mom was like, 50, there's a tonic for that. <laughs> 54 when my father passed away. Right. That'll do it. And she became a widow, yeah. uh, like a quote unquote old widow at 54. And now you look old. at 54 and you see like Jennifer Lopez and she's just like <laughs> right. so hot. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that's not what my mom was going through at 54. <laughs> no, it's, it's totally never was going through either. No. no. No, no, we love and her, Minerva. But yeah, she does that to fun. other people too, because she does that to. So the other characters that you just pour so much love into, I can't even. George, little George, and his dad, and the and fact that several times you point out that George's dad doesn't even really look old enough to have a kid, yet there he is. And um, I don't know how much monitoring you were doing here to capture my seven-year-old, but. Oh my God, you captured my seven-year-old. So much of that. I just read it. I mean, I don't know, Jennifer, you've heard enough of me talking about my seven-year-old. So much of that was him, like just constantly. And then I the same love that, all. but also like, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> he's everywhere. I call him Captain Everywhere because he's everywhere all the time, all at once. Yeah. He's locked out of this room right now, thankfully. <laughs> just going to fan myself again. It's hot in here. 
but yeah, but that, but that, that one of those things where it's like, oh, but he's a father, but then he seems very, very young and her judgment of other people and what they should be doing at appropriate ages or not doing at appropriate ages. She has very strong opinions on all of those people. She has very strong opinions. <laughs> so have Tracy, I mean, I think we've all known Minervas in our life. Don't name them. Uh, no, we're just no. call them Minerva. That's fine. I'm going to call them Minervas. Um, is, is your Minerva based in part on somebody you might know or a group of people? A group of Minervas. What is a group of a Minervas group. called? I mean, it's not a murder. That's right. <laughs> it's called a gossip. Yeah. <laughs> it's called a judgment. Well, the, the person who's my who Minerva is most based on is someone that I loved very dearly. And she's, okay. she's no longer with us, but um, she had definite strong opinions about <laughs> things and kind of a sassy way of dealing with the world. And uh, most people wouldn't have known it because she was very much an introvert too. Well, that's one of the funny things about Minerva is that, so this book is told for, for people who are going, tell us more about the craft. This is told in third person limited. So it's always from Minerva's point of view, but it's like right here, Minerva. It's not ever Minerva talking and saying, I felt this or I did that. And so, so many of these judgments and things, nobody would ever know Minerva thinks this because she keeps her mouth shut wisely so and doesn't see anything <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, like they're yeah. soaking up the tea in the beauty shop and i so cracked up about the mathematics that minerva did for the beauty shop versus where because <laughs> it was i won't even quote it but it's something like 75 percent of the town gossip comes from the beauty shop and 25 comes from the barbershop because men gossip too but it doesn't take as long to do their hair so they've got <laughs> less time and one of my besties she's she is a stylist and she cuts both men and actually primarily you know primarily men's hair more than women's so I actually want to run that statistic by her to find out because she also does a lot of people from our church <laughs> so it's like so is that how you keep track of everything going on I, and I everybody knows that research to, to come up with that number there was, there was no, no studying that or researching it it just sort of came out my hands one day so uh so okay you said the words research so you, this is a, a novel of historical fiction in multiple ways because it takes place in 1952. But you also tell the stories of a lot of people who are, um, you know, buried in a very specific cemetery. And right. as somebody who legitimately grew up hanging out in a cemetery and doing grave rubbings and really? not... Not and like clearing, like going there in the snow and clearing off graves and lighting the candles for the veterans things. Like, I just loved that about her so much. How much of it's Oak Grove Cemetery, correct? Right. How much of that is real? Is any of it real? Is all of it all, real? All of it's real. All of the characters. Oh, wow. Yeah. All the characters that she researches are actually people who are buried there. Did you research them? I did. I did. So you're Minerva. You admit no. it. You are you are Minerva. <laughs> I am Minerva. No, like, she, I'm uh, Minerva. I've done this. I, I, I had done these for the, the city of Paducah. It had these it sponsored these ghost walks, these tours. And so I had researched all these different people. And it was they were all these fabulous stories. I mean, so many that I, I only included just a sprinkling in this book, but um, so many really interesting people. There's one character in there 
especially who um, Emma Skillion. She's yes. one of the ghosts. Sorry, as I just like screech that at you. I'm like, oh, I want a whole book about Emma. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, actually, at, at one point, I was thinking I was going to write the whole book about Emma. So I, I took lots of lots of zigzags to get to the book that I have today. But uh, yeah, they are all real people. How much of that were you then embellishing from what you could find? Like some of them, I'm sure you had some basic dates and then other things, obviously certain things about people's last moments, you probably have to be a little creative with because you weren't there and all. But how much of that were you, were you working with facts and how much of it did you have to fill in from your own heart? Well, I started with a lot more facts than I kept in. Because like, eh, facts. yeah, the facts, <laughs> my facts, my facts I, you know, I used to be a journalist. I don't have to do this anymore. I can write what <laughs> no. I want. So um, I, a lot of the facts started weighing things down, you know, weighing the rhythm of the book down. Yeah. So it, it just, they, they got, they got pushed to the side a little bit, but um, it, it all started out very factual. And then, it, then I decided it needed to be a little more, a little more accessible to a fiction reader. Well, I think you straddled the line perfectly because I honestly didn't know if this was a real place. Okay, I knew Paducah was a real place. I wasn't trying to pronounce it, but I knew it was a real place. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was a cemetery. What are you trying to turn it into? What does that rhyme with? Pataka? I don't know. And I just Potter's like, Grove? Yeah, like, no. I, I got nothing. Yeah, no, I don't know. Paddington Bear. It's not Paddington like Bear. No, that's London. Yeah, There's a Padua, Italy. There's a Padua, Italy. So maybe May, I'll, I'll go with that. But then yeah. I call that Padua. Is that wrong? Because isn't Padua like Shakespeare? Oh, is that how you say it? I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, doubt I am I probably like doing almost all my pronunciations all wrong. Quiet and go, mm. Or high school Spanish, which means like my kid got a toy today at the zoo and it was in English, then French, then Spanish for the instructions. And he wanted me to read the French and I'm like stumbling through it going, I don't know how any of these should be said. So just go with me. And he's seven. So he didn't argue. <laughs> That's all that matters. But yeah, I didn't know how many of these things were were factually based because you have, you take some, let's just call them liberties with certain things because you couldn't possibly have been there. But some of them were just heartbreaking and other parts I'm just going, okay, these these people, they all deserve their own stories, their own. Their own That's experience. what I felt like. Every ghost or, you know, whatever they are, um, right. a character that Minerva writes about they could have all had their own stories, yeah. every single one. And there could be a, literally an entire story about the, there's a flood, everybody, that, uh, is, was that flood real? That was real, yes. I mean, it had to be, if the people were real and people died in the flood, yeah. then it, it, it had, the flood had to be real. And that's how I found yeah. Emma Skillion. Uh, she was documented as the last person in, in Paducah to die from the flood. So um, when I when I started learning the circumstances of her death, it was just just really tragic. And All of that story just broke it, my heart. Broke yeah, me. yeah. It, it, I, I don't want to give too much away, but um, she she was just a very interesting character. From what I as I started researching and discovering things, it was a lot like Minerva's discovery of of who she actually was when she was younger. So um, that was. That that was one of those days that I just sat in the library and screamed, "This is crazy! I just can't believe I found this out." 
So. And did you have a librarian come over and hush you too, and then oh, offer uh-huh. help, and then you stare at her and go, yeah. "I don't like it." I you. actually did, and I'm never speaking to her again. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> that's fair. I wouldn't. Um, but I love my light's it. changing. Can you see me? Okay. Yeah, I can we can still see. understand when light changes. Really, like, I've had uh-oh. one. The sun set on one when we had a back-to-back episode and it was fine when we started and then the sun was setting and the next one, I'm like, we're going to be in complete darkness, but I didn't <laughs> want to like try to get up and mess around with lights and stuff. So I'm like, I'm just going to be a disembodied voice. It's fine. You're good. Okay. Maybe I'll try this one. Is that better? Good. Yeah, you're good. good. You're okay. good. You're good. You're good. Okay. Um, so you were a journalist. You've, how like and I don't want to be like how long did this book take to write because that's like 37 such a, years that's my 30 I know so because sometimes people are like how long did it take you to write this book and I'm like well 30 years and then two months or yeah. <laughs> so like when did like the the heart of this book start um we love a good long writing process here at Vox yeah. Vomitus well you know it just it was just such a long Long, long process. <laughs> How long? Yeah. Was yeah. Yeah. Was like, it a, a it was a writing workshop. Okay, so you went to a writing workshop. Okay, so somebody lit a fire under you, maybe, or gave you some yeah, structure. It was called the College Collegeville. The Collegeville. Uh, they had they offer these opportunities for writers to go to these fantastic places and then just spend a week writing and learning and discussing and so it was just a dream you should check into it collegeville i mean it was it was fantastic and i was out and Can I uh, bring my three children and lock them in separate rooms so they don't fight yes, that's that's what i did okay good yeah oh they have separate like children's closets yes children's <laughs> cl- they're not harry potter you don't put them in closets. <laughs> yeah you can tell I have no children. I know. I'm like, oh, a children's closet. <laughs> There's not a kennel for kids, Jennifer. <laughs> I know. I only have, I've only ever had dogs. <laughs> it's like, it's different. So they go to a border. <laughs> oh, so anyway, while, while I was at this retreat, uh, Minerva became much more crystallized. And uh, and that's when I really started started focusing on her story. So to answer your question, was there a question? Oh, I was like, how long did this take? Yeah. Because, I mean, you, but if you, you were, were doing this research before, you had the, the material, all the historical research probably already done. And then it was a matter of taking whatever was there and going, how does this actually become a story versus, I mean, I totally would have read this. I kid you not. If it was just a different chapter of a different tombstone, I, would I have read still that. would have read it, but it would have been a very different book than what this is. Yeah. So, but, but if you have nervous. a ton of other ghosts, as you're saying, yeah. I mean, yeah. you could just write their stories and mm-hmm. publish that as like a short story Bonus collection. Content. Bonus content. Bonus uh, content. I would buy that. I would okay. as well. I'll do it. Oh, God. You oh, have two, two sales right here. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> You've done it. <laughs> but be warned, we probably are a little bit niche in our likes things said about graveyards yeah no that's like a lot of people <laughs> but there are we are not the only ones out there, that's for sure but i mean that's i think that alone is a premise but it's it, to me it's like you're gonna get the people who read this and go oh i love all of the the things that she learns about the historical novel so i was in way kind of saying this is like a historical novel twice over because it's historical to us when she's living and then for her 
these people are historical to her. And I did like how, yeah, Jennifer's doing yes. Um, I loved how there were times where she goes, I could have known them because not everybody, like this is an older cemetery. So there are people who were, you know, been dead a hundred years, but there were people who were more or less her contemporaries, especially people who may have died a little young or died when she was younger. And she had to stop and go, why didn't I know about this? Or what didn't I why love? Wasn't, and I love how you that. I remember I won't, this I won't, huge thing. We I can't won't get spoil into it. that. But yeah. I loved it. It's beautiful. Because I then stop, stopped and I was doing the whole okay, what events have I lived through in my years? And would I remember <laughs> someone who- Blurry, b- pre-Minerva years. Pre-Minerva yeah. years, exactly. <laughs> but but like Not creeping up on Minerva Just years. A couple. But yeah, I, I loved how you covered all that because I felt like it was really two in one and not all of them lived in the same period and not all of them were coming from the same place or the same experiences. And then you throw in, I don't want to get too much into, again, characters that we don't get too much detail about until later. Like we didn't cover Minerva throughout the whole book, but there are other characters that we peel off layers and find out more about their past later in the book as well. And I love how you handled that, including just being able to go, this person isn't who she thought this person would be either. Or I was, I was presuming a very different life for this person or that person. And, you know, you covered everything from sibling rivalry to disappointing parents or what kind of obligations do we have for our parents or our spouses or our children. It was all there. And none, none of it was ever ham-fisted because I feel like, this book touched some very important themes, but it never smacked us in the face with them, which I appreciated. I don't <laughs> let me smack in the face. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, Tracy, like, uh, I think our longtime viewers and listeners will know that, like, I don't usually go for what I would call a feel-good book. Like, I... I love that Alice. That's the woman who writes grief poetry. Feel good. No, of a horror, crime, and grief. Um, but I like I appreciated so much, and I like I loved it. And I'm like, well, this is proof that Jennifer, you're not dead inside. Inside. You're not dead inside. You want somebody to like feel the feels, and then you want to feel the feels. And I was just like, "What have you be? What have you made me, Tracy Buchanan? What, what has this book made me towards the corner of mercy and peace?" Like my husband, early on, like first few pages, I was like, "I feel like this book is going to make me feel good about things, and I don't want." That. <laughs> And he's just like, he's like, yeah, of course you don't. We get you. Uh, and then as I was reading it, I'm like, I love it. Because usually we do, we do have, like, we joke, we share a brain. But we do have very different sensibilities about certain things. And if things are too dark, I'm like, Jennifer, you take over. And there are things I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going there. That's why she does a separate horror and crime show that I don't have any part of. <laughs> and I do more of the gooey things that, and I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not like over the top Hallmark movie fan, but I will. And that is not what this is. This is and not then, a And then Hallmark. Jennifer won't even go near those things. She's like, no, do your own show. Go away. And so this movie, this. I like, feel like at one point in time, I said, did. if the book has a happy ending, I don't want to read it. Yeah. I think that she's, <laughs> but happy is kind of a relative. Happy is relative. Storybook, storybook. But what I love yeah. is, I felt like this book, when it does end, it could have just kept going. Like, I really just felt like we captured an incredibly uh, important part of this woman's life. 
Mm-hmm. But I would uh, like, read the sequel, and I won't say what the sequel would, I want it to be, but I would totally read the I mean, sequel. Well, I'm totally interested in have a sequel idea. You, what are your ideas for my sequel? Because I, I've oh, got well, I can't two. say it without spoiling. We would be spoiling thing. stuff because I don't okay. I don't want to spoil where things end, but <laughs> Okay. I feel like my sequel gets happier and happier and weirder and weirder <laughs> for for what I usually like, where I'm like, and then this happens. And then it becomes a musical. <laughs> oh, I've watched the musical version of this. Yeah. yeah. Really. Oh, a mm-hmm. musical version of this where like the ghosts are like singing and dancing the entire time. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love it. <laughs> I'm just picturing little George basically being Mike TV from the original Willy Wonka with his little guns. Pew, 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 pew. And he just dances uh, off stage. You know, that, character, that little character of George was pretty oh, yeah. my, my daughter-in-law, again, uh, that happened to her. This little boy came running into her house at Halloween. <laughs> she runs in the house. <laughs> she started... She was like, "Where are you happening?" And, and the and the parents running after the child, screaming, "George, George!" <laughs> she just thought that was so cute that she kept that name and named their first child that. <gasps> That's where the name came from for her, George. Like I saw that what? you named your George oh, after that I'm George, but everywhere, <laughs> I love it. Right. That so, that's so funny. Just so, well, we're gonna we're gonna stick with the story that George is named for my grandfather. So we're we're sticking with and that. Not, like, <laughs> we're we're named for some random you're named after a, <laughs> a, a a child who was like maybe poorly behaved who <laughs> possibly didn't necessarily want to take You're definitely that named after that badly paid boy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that is a beautiful story though. Oh my gosh. I just had to use that. Okay, did you? Okay, I, I heard something about some television reporters yesterday at your opening. Did you tell them that story too, or is that an exclusive we get here? Take that's that little exclusive. That's, that's a Vox Vomitus exclusive. Vox Vomitus exclusive. Yeah. Right. They, they didn't know that story. They did not They did not think to ask the correct questions. There are uh, no what are the correct <laughs> questions. I'm like, well, that correct question would have been what was the inspiration for the character named George? Oh, yeah. And we were just like, um, what if? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We get there in a roundabout way. I'm <laughs> very. We eventually get there. Uh, I'm very curious. And this has like nothing to do with anything, but I'm just like very curious. Minerva at one point said she had a recipe that involved jello and lime. It was lime jello and cottage cheese. And And I think I have that recipe. I was like, what is that supposed to be? Or is this too much of a spoiler? She never makes it. She doesn't. (laughs) doesn't. That's the spoiler is that she doesn't make it. So if you're reading the book and you get to that point, she doesn't make the jello. She does not make the jello. I hate to to spoil it for people, but she does not. She does not (gasps) make anything. Um, I would love a whole recipe book based on... Oh, on yeah. you know, if you go to my website, <gasps> you have that on there. Do you have there that? There are quite a few recipes on there. You can download the, the mayonnaise book. cake. There's a mayonnaise cake. Yes. Mayonnaise cake. There's a frito veal roll. Is it? I'm sorry. I'm like, is it under oh. news and resources? Don't mind me like actually looking at <laughs> yeah, it while I'm online. Yeah, Alice stop. is clearly like printing out recipes right now because she's got a few like kids food. in like five minutes. <laughs> Well, that my kids aren't going to eat anything that was edible in the fifties. They just they just don't. And well, if you roll Fritos, you roll your veal and Fritos. 
than they might. Yes. Case. There was was a whole like list of foods. It said literally foods from the great depression that might make a comeback. None of those are coming back. The ones that we still (laughs) eat, we still eat like things. I grew up eating things like chicken, a la King. Those are, those are good. Certain things on there. I'm just going, no, nobody, nobody wants your surprise. Whatever that is stuck to the bologna. No, nobody (laughs) wants. I'm scared. Just put that away. And then the idea of cutting up any kind of food you can and then putting it in just clear gelatin and then it's festive. No, it's not. It's scary. (laughs) It's scary. But Uh, I will say that lime gelatin with cottage cheese is delicious because those things do make sense and they aren't sticking whole eggs or a chicken or like half a cow. (laughs) Yeah. I will stop talking about gelatin now. Yeah, let's not talk about gelatin. Okay, but that's the second book I read recently that referenced pimento cheese sandwiches. And I've been looking up recipes on how to do that because no one feeds me pimento cheese out here. I'm in California. It isn't a thing here. And I really want it now. Oh, listen, that's a real thing here. And I know and I want it. There was that grocery store that's in the book. When they went, when they sold out, went out of business, they sold the recipe to another grocery store in town. And it's still, still a mystery recipe. Nobody's been able to crack it. But you can buy it there. Like (laughs) Allison is 1 million percent planning a trip to Kentucky. Or or we'll figure out, Tracy, you'll have to tell me the name of the grocery store and I'll see if they will ship to me. Because I've seen recipes and none of them look quite right. And some of it reminds me of this protein cheese spread my mom used to make that it's not pimento cheese though, because there's no pimento in it. And then a local thing here clearman's northwoods end cheese spread which you put on sourdough and then broil it under the the oven and it's like eight million calories in one slice of toast and with it do you guys get clearman's anywhere on your coast no do i have terrified clearman's it's it's a it's it's a restaurant that's a steakhouse and it looks like a log cabin and it's right off the five freeway i don't know what i'm doing for commercials for them they don't pay me but But i don't know if it's i don't know if it's one of the things where there's only the one or if there's more of them out there because i've never local grocery stores have the red tub clearman's spread and you put it on sourdough and it's like cheddar cheese and some other stuff and worcestershire sauce which is my favorite, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right because somebody's like, no, it's Worcester. But <laughs> no, Worcester, that's only sure. the city in Massachusetts. Worcester, it's Worcester. The rest Worcester. of it's Worcester. Worcester. Okay. All I know I is like... I down it. Now, do I you feel remember like... how to say? Do you remember how to say where my hometown is? Paducah. Paducah. As right. I almost and said Attica again, I'm like Attica. <laughs> no, that was wrong. a pop quiz. That was a Thank pop you. quiz. And the other pop quiz, I, I had to personally laugh at the fact that I was raised Methodist. I went to a Baptist church. I now attend a Presbyterian church. And all of the digs back and forth, like, oh, well, she's a Presbyterian. Well, you wouldn't know that because you're not Baptist. I was like, <laughs> so hard at that. I'm sure people who are like going, you know, those Christians are terrible and they can't even like cooperate between themselves. But I love the idea that Minerva thinks it's like a scandal that the pastor's dating. <gasps> Oh, Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> period. My goodness. Just I dating know. in general. Oh, I was just, I was, scandal. I was scandalized a little bit just by that. I'm like, oh, he's <laughs> dating somebody. I just already felt bad for him because Minerva was describing him as a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Like a fully grown man described like a squirrel. That's not. Squirrels are adorable. Not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> not for a grown person. 
know. But I, I just, I, I felt like you captured a lot of that. And I was laughing so hard because every organist I have ever known, they have all been lovely, lovely people. But the idea that she's like, I'm going to draw out the benediction. So hopefully they just leave. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk to people. So I'll just keep playing the song. What does she do? Just go back to a coda, repeat, repeat. Oh, just keep playing the song. She just ad libs it. Yeah. She's she like, just it. Good for her. I yeah. mean, if, if if we all introverts could have something like that to just mm-hmm. go like, oh, Still I don't have to talk to people if I just keep, I feel like she could have just been like, plop, like it's called a cell phone now. Oh, sorry. Don't I got a call. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Don't yeah. talk to me. I've got like, uh, hold on. I've got like a, a random screen. Yeah. But then if you hold thing. a book up, then people are like, oh, what's your book about? I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Like when I'll be on an airplane and I'll sit there reading and the person will be like looking at it. It's like, this is clearly my signal that I don't want to speak to you. I don't. <laughs> this I don't is why you always on a plane have to have a book that is just like how to get away with murder yeah. or like a really yeah. disgusting yeah. crime thing where people are like, oh. And then like, even if you're not reading it, just like laugh a couple times with the book. I'm like, oh, so good. Take notes so too. Good. That would probably yeah. Just yeah. Was like a yeah, pencil. Take notes. Yeah. This, highlight. You know, that, highlight. This. And there then, were places uh, in your book I wanted to highlight just like but i'm like no because i plan on sharing this with a friend afterwards and i don't want to have them like draw like allison what do you highlight i'm like nothing you know you are welcome to buy as many books as you want yeah. <laughs> and like, you can color them all you want yeah, you, can. you just feel free to do that it was it's such a I'll, great I'll book it. it's beautiful so tracy again Thank you for being here. Happy publication day for your debut novel, Toward the Quarter of Mercy and Peace. Uh, For people who are just listening to this, we are just like jamming it right into your (laughs) screen. Can you read it? Can you read it? Um, Still. (laughs) So um, so much for having this. Was just a blast. Thank you so much for being here. And again, uh, Vox Vomitus listeners and viewers, we are going on another little hiatus. This is because. I am traveling a tiny bit, uh, but then we will be back in July. Uh, so we're really looking forward to seeing everybody again. And until then, thank you, everyone. Hit like and subscribe. Yes, like and subscribe, especially on YouTube.